Would you turn with me this morning, the scripture that we've been looking at on our Sunday mornings, to uh, Romans, the 8th chapter, and 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Got some very important things this morning to talk about, get to. Romans 8, 2 Corinthians 13. Everybody happy? Got the victory? We're a blessed bunch, you and me. Amen. Is anybody more blessed than us? I'd like to meet them. <laughs> like to find out how they're doing it. <laughs> Amen. Because <laughs> we are blessed. We're enjoying the blessings of the Lord. We've been talking on these Sunday mornings. I guess this is number five, maybe, or six. About the spirit-led life. Spirit-led life. Spirit-led living, you could call it, but the Spirit-led life. And actually, we have instruction from the Lord for the church. There were uh, three things he dealt with me a year ago that I wrote down. And he dealt with as instructions for uh, the under-shepherd of the church that I was to teach and lead the church in uh, how to uh, walk in love. And y'all know we camped on that for, for months. And how to walk by faith. And you know, we camped on that. We stayed in the book of Hebrews for, for months. And then also, this one, how to be led by the Spirit. So we've just begun on this a matter of weeks ago. And I believe it to be vitally important. Amen to your success in life. Do you know it's possible to learn faith principles and be a failure? It's possible to learn principles and truth about our authority in Christ and our authority in the name of Jesus and our rights and privileges in Christ and be a failure. You must learn to be led by His Spirit. And you cannot separate exercising authority from being led by the Holy Spirit. You can't separate exercising faith from being led by the Spirit. That's how people, so many uh, individuals in charismatic circles, word and faith circles, have gotten into trouble. Because they're going to claim something and, and, and believe something, but they do it uh, apart from the leading of the Spirit. I know I learned this uh, when I first started working for Brother Hagen in the healing school. At that time, we had uh, counseling. And uh, the Lord gave Brother Hagen some direction, and, and that was changed. But in the, in the beginning, I'd be on the phones part of the time, and people would call in for prayer. And they'd get me and others. And uh, one day, one morning, this lady called in, and she got me, and she's just sobbing on the other end of the phone. And it took me a while to get her calmed down. What, what's wrong? What's wrong? Well, she's from a large city, and she had been mugged. Some rascal came and hit her on the head and grabbed her purse and knocked her down. Well, finally she calmed down enough to tell me that and tell me that she wasn't really hurt that bad physically. She had a bump on her head and some bruises and her purse was gone. But other than that, she was okay. 
But that wasn't the biggest thing that was bothering her. The biggest thing was that she, she felt like God had let her down. She quoted the 91st Psalm every day, she said. Had for years. And, and, and the 23rd Psalm, the Lord's my shepherd and, and he's my protector and, and he takes care of me. And she quoted it that day, same day she got mugged. And I could tell the biggest thing bothering her is, uh, why this, how could this happen? I'm a believer. I believe in protection. How could this happen to me? You know, when you have questions like that, here's a good piece of advice. Always stay on God's side. <laughs> Always stay on God's side. I believe it was Brother Mel Piper I heard say that years ago. Always stay on God's side. And uh, realize he didn't let you down. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. He's never let anybody down. He's never lied to anybody. He's never failed anybody. And he's not going to start with you. Right? So just don't entertain any of that junk and don't get miffed at God. I mean, that's one of the dumbest things you ever did. Was get miffed at God. He's your solution. Not your problem. But she's mostly confused and and hurt. And how could this happen? Well, I'll be honest. When she told me that, I didn't know. I'm checking my heart, but I'm going, I wonder why too. I didn't tell her that, but you know, I'm thinking, Lord, help me out. Help me out. Friends, don't just develop pat answers to questions. Learn to look to the one inside. And the Holy Ghost began to deal with me about asking her how it happened and where it happened and her business. So I did. I said, well, I said, so you went to a a certain place? And she said, yeah, it was a bad part of town. I said, but you, you needed to be there. You had some business. She said, well, sort of. I said, well, did you, did you have a check about going there? She said, yeah. I said, well, let's talk about that. I said, uh, what do you mean? Did you, did you have a check and, and you felt a warning about it? She said, I did. But I just quoted the 91st Psalm. Well, see, I'm just saying that to exemplify this. You can't try to exercise faith in the Word and ignore the leading of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't work. I just want to give you one example. of You must not try to separate exercising faith from being led by the Spirit or exercising authority from being led by the Spirit. Yeah, we're going to believe God. Yes, we're going to walk in faith. But what are we going to believe for right now? And when do we implement? And what approach do we take? You remember David, when he was fighting the enemies of God's people, that there would be times he would, he would inquire of the Lord. You hear that phrase? That means he'd ask the Lord, how do I do this? And the Lord would say, go up against them because I'm with you and I'll deliver them into your hand. And, and, and later, seemingly a very similar situation, but he didn't just assume, assume what to do, he inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord said this time, no, no, don't go that way. Go around behind them and do this, and when you hear the sound moving in the bushes, 
completely different plan to accomplish the same objective. Well, how are we going to know day to day how to deal with the problem or, or how to, uh, where to put our faith and, and how to believe and, and how to stand? Oh, thank God. Thank God for the greater one whom he's given us and sent us to, to indwell us, to be our guide, to be our teacher, to be our helper. We must get to know him. We must be sensitive to him and responsive to him. So let's read our text then. Romans eight fourteen. Let's pray before we read this. And I would ask you, believe with me this morning as usual for utterance. But then also there's some other things. There's some things the Lord spoke to me in the nighttime that I am to do and to say before we're through. And so believe with me and let's, let's reverence the Holy Spirit this morning. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being your people. What an honor it is to be able to come with great freedom and liberty, worship in this place, this beautiful place you've given us of our own, and enjoy one another's fellowship, but oh, particularly the fellowship of your great Holy Spirit. Thank you. Give us utterance. Full and free and complete. Give everybody ears to hear and eyes that see and a heart to receive. Speak to us. Move among us and on us, through us. Do what's good in your eyes and pleases you. Show us what steps to take for tomorrow and what comes next. That we may please you well in all things and we'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the praise. And we'll not be hearers only, but by your grace we'll be doers. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Romans 8 and verse 14. Are you there? Romans eight fourteen. He said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Oh, thank God. Sons of God. Now, how many understand there are male sons of God and female sons of God? Talking about all of us. But can sons of God today expect to be led by the Spirit of God? We at Faith Life Church, uh, in fact, everybody at Faith Life Church reads their New Testament, their chapter every day. Am I right, church? Everybody. At Faith Life Church reads their New Testament, reads their Bible. And so we just finished reading Acts together. And man, we saw that the Holy Ghost was on every page. The Holy Ghost said this. And the Holy Ghost said that. And Holy Ghost did this. And Holy Ghost said no. Holy Ghost said go. Amen. Holy Ghost said not now. Amen. <laughs> and the the... Ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit was so real to them in all of their dealings. How many understand we're part of the same church? We have the same Holy Spirit. He's supposed to be just as real to us. Every day, every night, everywhere you are, He's supposed to be real to you. His leading, His guiding, His teaching, His help. We spent uh, some time looking at what Jesus told us about the Comforter. He said, I'm not going to leave you helpless and orphans. I'm going to send you another Comforter. Another means one of the same kind. Who was the first Comforter? Jesus. 
The disciples were with Jesus. He was their first paraclete. But he said, I'm going to send you another paraclete, another helper, another comforter. And he said, it's better for you that I go away. Now, they couldn't figure that out. How in the world could it be better than hanging with Jesus? (laughs) The spirit of Jesus living inside you. Not just being with you, being in you 24-7. Hallelujah. And anointing you and enabling you. Every breath, every heartbeat. That's better. I said, that's better. And that's what you and I have today. But do you understand that the Holy Spirit helps some people a lot more than he does others? That's a fact. There's some people, the Holy Spirit helps them comb their hair in the morning. Helps them cook their meals. Helps them drive. Helps them in every aspect of their business. And other people, he helps very little. Why? Not because he's a respecter of persons. It's because some people have learned to look to him. And yield to him. And respond to him. And cooperate with him. While others just make their plans and do their thing in their own strength. Look at your neighbor and tell them. You need help. (laughs) You need help. (laughs) Now you turn back and you tell them, I have help. Amen. I I have help. The question is, are we taking advantage, full advantage, of all of the help, capital H, from the helper, capital H, who's in us and available to us? And I think for the most part, the answer would be no. No, we have not been. But that's why we're talking about it. In 2 Corinthians, if you're holding your place in the 13th chapter, 2 Corinthians. I'm so glad I don't have to do this on my own. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) I don't think I'd even get out of bed. Come to church if if I thought I just had to do this on my own. People say, what happened to Brother Keith? Well, he's gone. Because <laughs> it would just be, it'd be overwhelming. It'd be impossible. Oh, but thank God we're not without help. He's with us. I mean, he will take you by the hand and walk you every step of the way. He'll explain everything to you. He'll prepare you for everything. And when you feel weak, he will quicken you and strengthen you. And when you feel dumb, he will teach you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> If you'll listen. And, and that's not just for one or two people. That's not just for preachers. That's for everybody. You know, we, we may talk about this later. But in the Old Testament, in the construction of the, uh, the tabernacle, the Lord said that he had anointed Bezalel and Aholiab. And, of course, you're familiar with them. <laughs> you might want to look them up. Bezalel and Aholiab weren't prophets, weren't priests, weren't teachers of the word. What were they? They worked with their hands. And the Bible said he anointed them to work with wood and with metal, anointed to do manual labor. Would God anoint you to work with your hands? 
See, so many times people think, well, you know, yeah, the Holy Ghost, he'd help preachers preach. He'd help folk pray. He'd help churches. But I'm just out here, you know, I'm stocking groceries. Friends, you ain't never stocked groceries till you stocked them in the anointing. I'm serious as I can be. I mean, the Holy Ghost will show you how to do it ten times better in half the time. He knows the best way to do everything. But you got to look to him. Got to ask him. In 2 Corinthians and the 13th chapter and the 14th verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Here we see the three persons of God, God the Father, God the Lord Jesus, God the Holy Ghost, grace of the Lord Jesus, love of God, communion, the word communion is also translated fellowship. We spent some time talking about that the Holy Spirit is not an it. Jesus referred to him repeatedly with with masculine uh, pronouns, he, him, his. It's it's incorrect to refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, any more than we'd refer to you as it. You wouldn't like that, because you're not an it. You're a person. And we talked about what constitutes personhood. What what makes a person? And we talked about uh, a person has a mind, can think and have thoughts. A person has a will and can choose, make decisions. A person has feelings and, and emotions and a soul. And we've gone into great detail talking about how that the Holy, showing you scriptures, uh, where it says the, the mind of the Spirit, as the Spirit wills. And then we, we went into some detail last week talking about God, how that he, he, he gets mad, He gets glad, He can be grieved, He can be hurt, He sings. Somebody said, well, you're just trying to make Him like us. No, He made us like Him. No, God is not expressionless. God has what we we might call them emotions. I don't know if there's a better word for that, but he has a soul. That's a Bible word. And he expresses himself. And he said to me uh, uh, some years ago when I was studying this, and he said, Keith, he I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, he said, did you notice what kind of people I chose as my first covenant people? I said, no, sir, I I didn't know what he's talking about. I said, what kind of people? I said, I I don't know. He said, they were expressive souls. (laughs) Expressive souls. I wrote it down. Expressive souls. He said, they got mad. They'd rip their clothes and throw ashes in the air. (laughs) And strap on their swords and somebody might die that day. And if they were happy... I mean, the wine flowed and sacrifices were sacrificed. And some Bible talks about people shouting so loud, they heard them miles away. How many believe heaven is not a stoic, dead place? It's a happy place. People are not afraid to praise God. They're not afraid to praise God with a loud voice and shout. God doesn't have two separate wills, one for the heaven and one for the earth. 
when he blesses you, you don't go, well, I, I feel it deep inside. But that's just me now. That's all I have to do. Well, no, you need to get free. I said, you ought to get free and be able in front of your children and in front of your spouse. Lift up your hands and say, oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you for doing that for us. Thank you. Thank you. Some say, well, I'm, I'm a man and I just can't express my fear. Well, you're being weak. That's no sign of strength. It's a sign of weakness and insecurity that you're afraid to open your mouth and say something. Be a real man. Stand up and shout sometime. Stand up and say, oh, glory to God. I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Jesus bought me and paid for me and died for me and rose again for me. Better not say nothing against it. Be a man like that. Amen. Stand up for your Lord. Stand up for your Father. Be scared. Bound. That's another message. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Lord gave me these three R's. Y'all remember these? Three R's for spiritual sensitivity, which is what we're, we're talking about. That's our whole thing. We want to know him better, be more aware of him. And the Lord gave me three R's. He gave me, a, uh, I used two words, realize, I also used the word recognize, but to recognize the Holy Spirit. And to respect the Holy Spirit. And to respond to the Holy Spirit. Three things to focus on to cause us to grow in spiritual awareness and sensitivity. I said, this is what I told you last time. I said, number one, recognize him. Realize, be aware of him. Number two, respect him. Number three, respond to him. Well... Last night, actually this morning, about four o'clock, the, uh, the Lord corrected me. He said, no. He said, respect is number one. So I went and switched it around. <laughs> I said, that's right. Respect. And, and I'm beginning to see some things. Respect is integral with faith. We walk with him by faith, not by sight. That means so much of the time we don't feel him. But we believe he's here. Right? It's just like Enoch walked with God. Hebrews said he did so by faith. How did Enoch walk with God? And, you, and you're looking at the whole story. God became so real to Enoch. And they fellowship so intimately. Until God took him. And he he left this place. In fellowship with God. But how would you do that? Apparently Enoch had heard stories of his grandpa Adam and, and grandma Eve fellowshipping with God in the cool of the day. And they had lost that and lost some of those things. But he heard about it. And it sounded too good to him to just forget about. And he thought, I want to talk to God. I want to be with God in the afternoon. 
I want to be able to talk to God like Grandpa did. And finally, just by faith, he stood up one day and he said, well, I know you're here. I'm just going to talk to you. And I'm just going to believe that you hear me. And he began doing that as a regular thing, night and day, just believing God was there, believing God heard him and talking to him. And friend, faith causes God to respond. And you draw near to him, what happens next? He draws near to you. You believe in him and he manifests himself to you. And the more he believed in God, the more real God became to him. And then he believed in God all the more and God became more real until God was more real to him than the trees he sat under and the people he talked to. Can the Holy Spirit be that real to us? And fellowship and communing with him. But such a vital part of it is respect. Listen to these scriptures. Don't try to turn to them. Don't try to write them down. Excuse me. Do write them down if you want to. Instead of turning to them. But but listen carefully. Most importantly. The scripture said in Psalm 111.10. Psalm 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How many understand that this fear is not, not a tormenting fear. But a reverential fear. Would this include the ideas of respect and honor to fear God, to reverence him and treat him with great respect? And what happens when you take that step? That is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible talks about the spirit of wisdom. Well, there's just one Holy Ghost. How many want the wisdom of the spirit? You want him. He knows everything about everything. And you want him to share some of that with you. Right? About particular things that you're dealing with. The wisdom of God is so wonderful. You can be sitting one minute try, scratching your head going, what in the world? I don't even know what's going on. And just in a flash, the Holy Ghost can show you and you not only know what's going on, but what to do about it. And it's so simple in your eyes. And you just go, well, Sure. Why didn't I see that already? But he showed it to you. And all your confusion is gone and your anxiety is gone. Why? Because you know what to do. How does it start though? This wisdom. How does it start? The fear of the Lord. The reverence. Respect. For the Holy Spirit. Listen to other scriptures. Proverbs 1, 7. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Beginning of knowledge. I won't take the time, but there are several other scriptures that say a similar thing. Where does real knowledge begin? Where does real wisdom begin with the fear of the Lord? And the person of God who is in us and walks with us daily is the Holy Spirit. We must show him proper respect. You you understand people are ignoring him every day. He's there. He would help. He would teach. He would show. But people are ignoring him. They don't realize they're ignoring him like they are. But they're completely ignoring him. Rick, why don't you close your Bible and stand up here for just a minute, bud. 
Let's pretend that Brother Rick is the Holy Spirit. Just follow me around, Rick. So many Christians just like this. The Holy Spirit is there and they're going, what am I going to do? I got all this stuff in my business and I, what am I going to do with those teenagers? And, and, and what about all these bills? Uh, Mo, what do you think I ought to do? And Mo, he gives me his idea. And guys, what do y'all think I ought to do? Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. And so then I come and I sit and I think. And I go, dear me, what am I going to do? Lord, help me. Lord, would you help me? Please, God, please, God. Please, God, please, God. Y'all pray for me. Give me some counsel. What do you think? Tell me what you, what should I do? Because, man, I, I got to make a decision on this. <laughs> huh? Y'all help me. <laughs> Sister Billy, tell me what to do. Oh, God. You know, staff, y'all pray. Because we got some big decisions here we got to make. And I have thought and thought, and I can't figure out what to do. And I need to take a nap. <laughs> and get up worried about it and concerned about it. Oh, Lord. You know what? You've got to help me now. But until I turn. And, ignite, and of course, he's not just beside me. The Holy Ghost is in me. But until I acknowledge him. Everybody say acknowledge. Acknowledge him. Look to him. And get quiet. And see, this is all part of being respectful. Respectful. I'll say that in just a minute. Respectful. Thank you, Brother Rick. Go ahead. Listen to these, these truths in the New Testament. We are taught in the scripture concerning the Holy Spirit not to quench him. Anybody remember that? The Bible says, in fact, let's, let me don't rush through it too quickly. Have y'all got time today for this? Or? Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, please. Let me take the time to turn these and mark these. If you know them, stir yourself up. If you don't know them, get to know them. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 5. And verse 19. What does it say? Mark it if you don't have it marked. First Thessalonians 5, 19. Quench. Not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. Now that word quench has the idea of, of throwing something wet on a fire or a flame and smothering it. Would people smother what the Holy Spirit's trying to show them and tell them and deal with them? Would Christians do that? It's a huge problem. But so many times folk don't realize they're doing it. But they are. And it's because they're, they're not aware that it's him. So many times they're thinking, well, that was, that was just me. Uh, well, what do you mean just you? Because he's going to lead you through your own spirit. Not through your own intellect, but through your own spirit. We're going to get into that in detail later. But quenching him means ignoring him, pushing it down. Squelching it, something's come up, 
a sense of something, a knowing about something, a leading about something, but you just push it down. Ignore it, push it down, reason it out, override it, quench. What did the Bible say about that? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't quench what he's dealing with you about. Another thing the New Testament says is don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Ephesians 4, just back a few pages. Ephesians 4.30, are you there? Scripture says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. He's a person, isn't he? An impersonal entity. You can't grieve a chair. You can't grieve an instrument. You can't grieve electricity. But the Holy Spirit can be grieved. How would he be grieved? Grieved with something that you're doing. And so many times, see, he lives in you. And sometimes people say, Man, that just grieved me. Well, a lot of times you're sensing his grief. He's in you. It grieved him. And you sensed it in you. Because he's in you. And if it grieves him, we ought to fix it quickly. If it's within our power. Right? Grieve not. Now, see, all these have to do with respecting him. Showing him the proper reverence. And deference. Now that doesn't mean that we get uh, cold and scared. He's also the one that gives you joy unspeakable. And full of glory. Peace that passes understanding. Amen. But we must learn the ways of the spirit. So many times. Individuals and even whole groups have only learned one or two or three ways to respond to him. And so no matter what they sense, they respond that way. Some people have learned to shout. So if the spirit moves in hilarity, they shout. If he moves in soberness, they shout. If he moves with revelation, they shout. If he moves for a healing line, they don't have a healing line, they shout. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Because they have learned to yield that way, but they're limited in their scope of understanding and expressing what he's doing. Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now, rejoicing. Our spiritual father in the faith. He, uh, one of the meetings he took us on in uh, New York State, he had me stand up and he said, uh, he said, this brother Keith, he said, I brought him to teach in the morning. He said, I personally trained him and said some very nice things. And when he got through, I sat down and I, I wondered about that. Because I, at that, I, now I got to know him and spent some personal time with him later. But especially at that time, it was very little personal time. I would hardly saw the man except on the platform. And he said, I, he personally trained me. Because in my mind, I had this thing of what that meant. That meant you, your pals. <laughs> and you sit down over meals and you ask him questions and he answers your questions. And boy, if you'd have been waiting on that, you'd have been waiting a long time. <laughs> I 
And, and later on, back at the room, I, I even asked the Lord about it. I said, Lord, you know, I know he said that. He personally trained me. And, and I'm, he's probably right. But, you know, and the, the Lord began to deal with me. He said, sure he did. Sure he did. In that seat. On that pew. Every day. I did, through him, train you. And see, sometimes people think they want to know personalities. No, it's not personalities you want to know. It's the anointing. And so many times ministers are stronger anointed in the service. Not always, but many, many times. And it's not just flesh you want to be around. It's the anointing. And it's the anointing that teaches. And, And I begin to realize, and the Lord taught me further past that, that day after day, I'd be there on the front row. And he'd come in. And we'd sense the spirit moving. And I knew it was the Holy Ghost. I knew that much. But I didn't know what he wanted to do. And I'd sense that's different than what I've sensed before. But what to do with it? But then I'd see him interpret the flow of the spirit and go and yield the right direction. And without realizing it, I'm learning volumes. Just by being there. Because then later on in my own ministry. Something would come up and I'd think. I've been here before. I know what this is. This is this kind of anointing. This is what we do with this. And with all of us friends. That's one of the great advantages. Of being around people. Who have walked with God longer than you have. Amen. Amen. Because I don't care how diligent you are, I don't care how diligent you are to pray, and how diligent you are to study, and how intelligent you think you are, there's one area you will never catch your elders in. Never. Experience. Amen. So respect that. Amen. Respect. Even though you might be able to quote more scripture, that doesn't mean you got more experience, and you never will have. So respect that but we must learn and I believe the Lord's in the process of teaching us as a church amen and, and don't, don't misunderstand we're not going to even you know the Lord tears is coming that long 50 years from now we're not going to stand up and go we got it we've learned every way the, no you won't because he is so big he's so multifaceted and amazing I suppose millennia from now, no, not suppose, well, I know millennia from now, the Holy Ghost will move a completely different way than we ever heard it with like, wow, because he's God, <laughs> unlimited. Phyllis and I used to go to a church and minister in another state, and, and bless his heart, there was a guy there, he was an older gentleman. Every time I was there, every service I was there, when the anointing would begin to come in any way, he'd jump and shout and run. He couldn't run very fast, but he'd run. And I mean, every, I don't care what kind of uh, anointing it was, anytime he sensed the Spirit in any way, up, he'd jump and shout and run. And I know what happened years ago, you know, in 57 or whatever, the Holy Ghost moved, and it was a time to jump and run and shout. And everybody jumped and run and shout. And that's good. But then, for years after that, every time he sensed the anointing, he only knew one way to respond. I've laid hands on people before to receive the Holy Spirit. 
And they just start screaming or hollering or jumping. Because that's the only way they knew how to respond. They sensed the Holy Spirit. They knew he was on them. They knew something was going on. And that's all they knew to do. And sometimes you have to stop them and put your hands on the shoulder and say, stop. No, stop. Speak. Speak. Don't jump. Speak. Like Brother Hagin used to say, they short circuit the anointing. He talked about that. And really take you the wrong direction. You know, the Spirit of God can be moving and strong in a place and people sense the anointing. And there's some people, bless their hearts, if they sense the Spirit and it gets quiet, they're going to try to jump up and give a tongue. And it's not always time to give a tongue. Yeah, but I sense the Spirit. That don't mean it's time for a tongue. There are many ways that he moves. Everybody say, teach us, Lord. Of the many ways of your Spirit. That we interpret the right flow, see the right direction and, and go the right way. Because I, I'm convinced that many times we sense the anointing. We knew God was moving, but we, we went another, a wrong direction with it. And things that he in, intended to happen did not happen. Because we went a wrong way. And, and so many times just in our ignorance. Not people, not, not people trying to be rebellious, just didn't know any better. I've been there. You've been there. But he's our teacher to help us learn and grow beyond this, grow above this. Can you say amen? The Bible said you don't have to turn there, but in Isaiah 63.10. Isaiah 63.10 said they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. That word literally means to disturb, also means to annoy and irritate. Can you irritate the Holy Spirit? Can you annoy Him? Can you grieve Him? Can you quench Him? Yeah. And we don't want to. Right? We don't want to do it ignorantly. Now go to Hebrews, please. The 10th chapter. I know we're a little quiet today, and this is a little different, but we need all kinds of services, don't we? And I believe something the Lord has said. He actually corrected me on my little three R's I gave you. (laughs) He said the three R's are right, but the order is wrong. Number one, respect. Amen. Because that is a key to being more aware. That's a key to number two. Recognizing. If you don't respect him enough, it's like Rick following me around, you know. If I don't respect him enough to even acknowledge that he's there and turn around and look, he may have something to say to me. But if he's a gentleman, he's not just going to interrupt me, try to push it off on me. I'll have to respect what he's got to say and look to him and ask. And one thing about the Holy Spirit, you must understand, he is not at all like the devil. The devil is a coercer. He's a manipulator. He tries to push stuff off on you. He tries to make you do things the Holy Ghost does not. He's manifest as a dove. International symbol of peace. Gentleness. He's not a dove. He was manifest as that. In the form, shape. But we are to respect him. In Hebrews, are you there? Tenth chapter. Hebrews 10. 
And verse uh, 26. Well, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Aren't you glad we're here this morning? Doing that verse. As the manner of some is. Even in that day, a lot of folk didn't go to church. But exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose you shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Did you hear that phrase? Done despite to the Spirit of grace. The NAS says has insulted. The Spirit of grace. Can the Holy Ghost be grieved? Can he be vexed and quenched? Can he be insulted? Yes, he can. Well, he's a person. Can you be insulted? Well, he's a person. He could be insulted. He can be insulted. Friend, there are two things. Well, excuse me, three three things. And there's, there's more than that, but, but three especially that are coming to strong mind right now. That any time they are mentioned, you ought not act foolish about them. And you ought not act goofy about it. You ought to immediately become very respectful and reverential. Instantly. One is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything is said about the blood, mentioned about the blood, talked about the blood, it ain't time to laugh and talk and carry on. And I'm talking about it right now. Teenagers, are you listening? So we're just teenagers, sometimes we talk. I'm talking about the blood. You're in church. It's not time to act a fool. Did you hear me now? Because, uh, you know, Children know God, and especially teenagers. God holds teenagers accountable for what they know, and it will come soon that you cannot pray for them as a parent. You can't exercise faith for them. The Lord will require them to do it themselves. And so we we don't need people who are, are, uh, we don't need them to be, is what I'm trying to say, 16, 15 14, 13, 17, 18, and act like, you know, well, I'm still a kid. Uh, I can goof off. No, no, no. You should be just as reverential as anybody. Amen. Show just as much respect as anybody. Right? People allow too much looseness. It's a time to shout. It's a time to run. Time to jump and dance. I've shouted with the best of them. I've danced with the best of them. I've got so drunk I fell off the piano stool. In the spirit. Amen. And I'll do it again. But there's other times when it's not time for that. It's time to be quiet. 
It's time to fall on your face and say, the Lord, he is God. We worship you. Not be afraid, not be scared of him. But show him the respect that he deserves. Amen. Amen. Reverence him. We, we live in a loose, lax generation that overall knows little about honor. And it's up to you and I to be examples. We ought to be an example of somebody who knows how to have fun. Amen. Enjoy life and laugh and have fun with the best of them. But we also ought to also be an example. When the Spirit starts moving a different way, we can change gears just like that. Focus. Become very reverential and respectful. So anytime the blood is mentioned, not time for horsing around, goofing around, show great respect. That blood was the only thing that could buy you and me. I mean the only thing in time and eternity. The only thing that could buy us and pay the price for our sins. Oh, that blood is on the mercy seat today. Speaking better things than Abel's. Abel's was crying out for vengeance. His is crying out innocent. I've made them innocent. Oh, glory to God. We are clean by the blood. I'm very intolerant for fools. Who mock the blood. You should be. Secondly. Anytime somebody starts talking about. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You should be respectful. Reverential. Don't make fun. Don't act loose about these things. The further I go, you'll see this today. This is some of the, Jesus said some of the most serious things in the whole New Testament about how people treat and respond in the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God. You don't refer to the Bible as that thing, that old book. This is the Holy Word of God, the Word that gives you and me life, heals our body, gives us faith. This Word, that though heaven and earth will pass away, it will still be here. And though the storms of life rage against us, this is the solid rock. Being a doer of this Word allows you and I to endure everything, overcome everything, and live triumphant. Said out loud, I love the blood. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Word of God with all my heart. Amen. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. And notice this was in connection with people counting the blood an unholy thing. And he was insulted, the Spirit of grace. Insulted. Said out loud, pray this prayer with all sincerity. Father God, help me to never insult your spirit. In Jesus' name. Go with me, please, to the book of Mark. Can you stay with me for a few more minutes here? Mark, the third chapter. The Lord woke me up 
shortly before 3 o'clock this morning. And I prayed and fellowshiped with him till 6 o'clock. And he said some things to me. I'm going to tell you in just a minute. But that's one of the things he said to me. He said, no, respect is not number two. It's number one. In becoming sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because it's through faith exhibited through this respect that we are more aware of him. We do recognize him. In Mark, the third chapter is this passage that I referred to earlier of what Jesus said in reference to the Holy Spirit. Some of the strongest words you'll find in the New Testament. In Mark, chapter 3. Let's look down at verse uh, 28. Mark 3 and 28. Jesus said, well, I I should back up. Verse 22. The scribes which came down from Jerusalem. This is Mark 3, 22. They said he, talking about Jesus, he has Beelzebub. Beelzebub was a name for the devil. And by the prince of the devils, he casts out devils. Now let's just stop right there. How was Jesus casting out devils? In in two different, one place it says says he cast out devils by the finger of God. Another it says he cast out devils by the spirit of God. And we know that the Holy Ghost came on him when he was baptized in the river Jordan, you know. And after the wilderness temptation, he came out in the power of the spirit. And that's when spirits would, wrong spirits would cry out and he'd say, shut up and come out of them. And he was delivering people and getting people healed. And he was preaching wonderful revelation. All how? By the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Spirit of God. By the anointing. He did it all by the anointing. Amen? Amen? And they said, well, he's doing that by the prince of devils. Who are they calling the prince of devils? Now this is serious business, friend. Look how serious it is. You've read this, you know, but look at it again today. He called them to him. He didn't let that go, did he? He said, y'all come here. Come here. Yeah, you, the one's been talking about me casting out devils by Beelzebub. Come out here. Sit down. He said, let me ask you something. How can the devil cast out the devil? They hadn't thought that through, had they? Hadn't figured that out. If a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but has an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he will first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say to you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies, wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost has never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he had an unclean spirit. Now, there are people in mental institutions today who've lost their mind in a terrible way because they don't understand this passage 
And they believe they've blasphemed the Holy Ghost. They believe they've committed the unpardonable sin. They don't even know what it is. But the devil has convinced them they've done it. And there's no hope for them and no salvation for them. And they can't be forgiven. And it's driven them crazy. And it's a sad thing. Because it's a lie. I said it's a lie. The sin unto death is not even the same thing as this. I won't try to go into all of it. It's another subject, another sermon. But it's real simple to find out. If somebody says, well, well, how do I know if I've committed the unpardonable sin? How do I know? Real simple. I got one question. Real simple. Do you want to serve God? Do you love God? Do you want to be right with God? Do you want to serve God? If they say, oh, yeah, I love God, then there's no way. There's no way you've committed the unpardonable sin. So how do you know that? Well, if you go and read the book of Hebrews, which I won't take the time to look at, but if you read the chapter of Hebrews that talks about this, it says that it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. The very passage we were reading just a minute ago. People who have done this, you cannot get them to repent. You can go to them and say, please, you know, come back to God. And they say, I don't want Jesus anymore. Leave me alone. Did you hear me? That's how you know that kind of thing is at work. But people who love God and want to be right and want to serve God, there's no way. They have committed the sin and the death. But this is something else here. They were attributing the deliverance in Jesus' ministry as a work of the devil. And he warned them solemnly. He said, blasphemies and sins that men commit, they'll be forgiven them. But you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you will not be forgiven. So, and let me just, let me say this too. God has mercy on ignorance. Did you hear this now? These guys were not just confused. They weren't doing this ignorantly. If you read other passages, you, you see that he told them, he said, you see. And that's why your sin remains. They knew better than what they were saying. They were just envious and jealous of his ministry and jealous of the crowds. They didn't, they weren't convinced he was doing this by the devil. They just wanted to say something against it to try to discredit his ministry. If he'd have said it was white, they'd said it was black and just, just to contradict him. But he warned them, he said, you don't know what you're doing here. You're not just speaking against me, you're speaking against the Holy Spirit. And, and people, you know, they say, oh, those tongues, those tongues are of the devil. If they weren't so ignorant, they'd be in trouble. Did you hear me? Attributing something of the Holy Spirit to the devil. If you think there's a remote possibility, it might be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> right? <laughs> just, just hush. Everybody say, reverence the Holy Ghost. Show him respect. Now, that doesn't mean you're afraid of him, right? Like you're afraid of a snake or, or a storm or that kind of thing. I mean, you, you know him. He, he, he's kind. He's, he's gentle. And he's not flighty. I said, he's not flighty. I know the Lord taught us this years ago, right after I 
graduated from Ramah. Phyllis and I went to another state and had a meeting. And the Lord began to give word of knowledge through she and through I about healings and about deliverances. And I mean, this church was not used to this, but it was God. It was really good. And people were being healed. Miracles were happening. But right in the middle of us giving out something the Holy Ghost was saying, somebody jump up and interrupt us. And I mean, just talk us down and, and, and say, my ear, my ear is healed. My ear is healed. And, 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 and tell the whole story right there, interrupting what the Holy Ghost was saying and doing. And you just have to be quiet because they just, they, they didn't know any better. And they just go right on through. And, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh God, the Holy Ghost is going to be grieved. We're going to lose this. We're going to lose this. And they'd take minutes to do what they're doing. And finally they'd get through and it'd come right back. The anointing had come right back and the utterance right where you left off. And I think, whew, glory to God, we didn't lose it. And so we'd, and you wouldn't go but just a few minutes. Somebody else would jump up and go, my arthritis is feeling a whole lot better. And, and yet tell you the whole story about, and you're thinking, oh no, not again. Now, that happened a dozen times. And especially after three or four times, I'm thinking, oh, he's going to be grieved this time. (laughs) He's got to be grieved by now. But as soon as they'd quit, here it come again. (laughs) And I realized that day, he's not flighty. They didn't know any better. Did you hear this? They didn't know what was going on. They didn't understand that they were interrupting the Holy Ghost. And he was very gracious. And they just kept on interrupting him and kept on interrupting him. But he just overlooked it. I said he overlooked it. The Holy Ghost is not like some people portray. They portray him that he kind of comes and just looks in the back door. (laughs) And goes, they're going to grieve me, just watch. (laughs) And looking for anything that's not quite right. And I mean two minutes after the service starts, goes, up, up, that's it, I'm gone. I'm, I'm. No. If you grieve him, there is substantial reason why. Did you hear me? You're not walking in light that you had. You're not doing what you know. The scripture says don't quench him. Don't blaspheme him. Don't grieve him. Don't vex him. Everybody say amen. Jesus, Jesus said, a prophet has honor except in his own town. And you know the story, maybe later we'll go into it in more detail, but you know the story how that he came and he stood up and he read out of the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me. The what? Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Amen. Sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. Set at liberty them that are bruised. Preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Close the book. He said, this is coming to pass right now. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. What does that mean? The anointing's here. The Spirit's here. He's on me to minister to you. That should be happy time. Right? Everybody should be, glory to God. Holy Ghost is here. Holy Ghost is here. But that's not what they did. 
They said, well, now who does he think he is? That's Joseph's boy, ain't it? Yeah, I know him. He fixed a plow stock for me one time. And I said, yeah, my mama used to change his diaper. No one said, yeah, my brother works with his brother down at the plant. We all know him. And, and the Bible said they were offended at him. Remember that? Think, well, well who is he? He grew up around here. We, we know him. He's saying he's anointed. And what did the scripture say? He could there do no mighty work. Why? Disrespect. Do you hear this? Disrespect. Disrespect for the anointing. Disrespect for the Holy Spirit. And disrespect for the one the Holy Spirit was going to use. If it would crimp and, and limit Jesus' ministry, certainly it's going to crimp and limit anybody's ministry today. Right? Lack of respect. Lack of respect. I've been to numerous churches over the years, and I've been to some churches where you, they forgot they was even going to have a meeting. Nobody prayed. I've been to places before where they forgot to pick you up. Left you hanging out there. And some of these airports are not very nice, especially some parts of town, and just leave you hanging there for hours and hours and hours, and there's people walking by eyeing your stuff. And... Thank God for private airplanes. But finally show up and go, oh, you know, I just let it slip my mind. And you could tell the people didn't have nowhere having a meeting. And you show up and they look at you like, well, now, who are you? We've had the best come through here. Who are you? Show us what you got. Bless me if you can. So let me tell you, it's not said, but how I many know what I'm talking about? That attitude is there like, well, we'll see what we see when we see it. Well, what people don't realize, that's not dis- disrespect for Keith. That's disrespect for the one who sent Keith. The one who called Keith. Right? See, Jesus said this. He said, if you receive me, you receive the one who sent me. Well, if you don't receive me, you don't receive the one that sent me. And friend, it's hard to have a good meeting in a place like that. It's, It's tough. Why? Because I can't just manifest the glory. No man can. No woman can. Oh, but I've been to other places. You could tell that bunch is praying a month before you got there. And I mean, they're waiting on you there, got trying to, you know, avoid things that would distract you and delay you and got everything, already got you checked in, already got your food and already got you set up and, and said, so, oh, Brother Keith, we've been praying. Oh, we've been praying. We've been praying. We're going to have us a meeting. We're going to have us a meeting. And you start to say something and they just all be quiet and go, tell us. We know it's going to be good. Come on. Well, see, that's not just respect for a man. That's respect for the Holy Spirit. And friend, in situations like that, I've had the Holy Ghost come on me so strong and anointing and utterance until I'm learning while I'm talking. 
I'm thinking, glory to God, I didn't know any of this. Wait just a minute, wait just a minute. (laughs) Oh, I like that. Don't you like that? That's the way it's supposed to be all the time, that we minister beyond our ability, beyond our understanding. It's going to come when not just a person or two, but whole congregations like Faith Life Church. Congregation come to respect God. Deep respect and love. And they know when to shout, but they know when to be quiet. They know when to dance, but they know when to listen. Did you hear me? Know when to run the aisle, but they know when to put their nose in the carpet. Amen? There's a time to shout. There's a time to cry. Right? And the Holy Spirit knows what's right for each service. And He knows what's right for each day. Amen? At church or on the job, He knows exactly what you ought to be doing right now. You won't learn all of these things overnight. You won't learn these things all in a day or two or a week or two or a month or two. But if you stay with it, as time passes... Like I was talking about how watching Brother Hagin interpret things. You, you see other people interpret the flow of the Spirit. And you learn by that. And you learn from your own experience. Even some of your own mistakes. But as the years go by, you get better and better acquainted with Him. And He's so real to you. He's just like a human person and more real because He's inside you. And He talks to you in the nighttime. He talks to you as you drive your car. He talks to you on the job. He keeps you from making mistakes. Saves you all kind of money. Helps you keep your marriage together. Helps you get your kid back on the right track. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. We've lived this way for so long. (laughs) You wonder how other people make it. And really they don't. Without him. Oh can you say amen. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information. Visit our website at morelife.org.